0: This week on Developer Weekly. I'm really trying to close the gaps between the customers that I have and Azure itself.
1: Hey friends, are you stressed, burnt out or on your way to burnout? Or do you just want to become healthier? My new course will teach you what stress is and how to recognize a burnout. And also how to prevent it and recover from it by working on the pillars of health like sleep, food, exercise, clean living, and active relaxation, and also by changing your life, your work, relationships, and your environment. Even if you are not burnt out or stressed, you can use these tactics to become healthier and live a longer and happier life. Check the course out at azureberry.com burnout. And if you don't have access to Pluralsight, reach out to me on Twitter or email, and I'll send you a 30-day free trial code that you can use for this course and all other Pluralsight courses. Again, check it out at azureberry.com burnout. Welcome to another episode of Developer Weekly. This week, I'm talking with Tom Kerkhoven about open source and other stuff. Tom works for Coded as an Azure architect is a member of the AZUK crew and has been a Microsoft MVP and Azure advisor since 2014. He turns coffee into scalable and secure cloud systems. <laughs> That's brilliant. How are you doing Tom?
0: I'm doing very good. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for you? being
1: uh, on the show. I'm uh, I'm all right. Here in the Netherlands we are uh, slowly ramping down the COVID restrictions, which is very welcome. Uh, back to
0: normal life.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. Well, I don't know if we we're ever going to be actually back to normal life. <laughs> uh, but, I doubt it. Yeah, well, at least closer to it, which uh, at least means that uh, like, my kids can go to school and to, uh, to daycare, which is very important, you know.
0: Yeah, and you can see actual humans again. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, and maybe at some point we can do I don't know events and uh, you know. Oh yes, please. Conferences that we used to do. (laughs) That'll be fun. No more virtual conferences, please. Are you uh, are you conference tired? Virtual
0: conference tired? I've been conference tired after the first conference that was virtual. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's it's a good alternative. I I hope the key takeaway is there is you can join physically but everything is also accessible to those who are not physically there for example built this week great yeah. everybody can join so hopefully next year it will be physical but also still online
1: yeah yeah it probably you know things like those probably remain hybrid where it's yeah. uh you know they have a lot more reach when they do like takerama yes. was uh last week i think or the week before yes that. Yeah. Also, then has a lot more reach, and it's mm-hmm. just a very different experience. So, so, um, well, before the show, you were saying you were very busy. <laughs> when I look online and all the things that you do, you you have a day job. You uh, are extremely active on GitHub. if you if I look at your GitHub uh, contribution uh, graph, the thing just looks crazy green. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. So and- it, is
0: a, it is a podcast, but I actually got a 3D printed version of last year by <laughs> GitHub. With, that's a so project cool. uh, Skyline. So everybody can generate a, a 3D version and you yeah. can actually print it yourself if you want. It's actually pretty nice to have. Wow, that's
1: pretty cool. So you can always look at your contributions in real life.
0: Yeah, you can see in, in 2020 where my son was born. So actually here you see a small dip. And then I started <laughs> slowly picking back up.
1: Yeah. You, were, you were allowed to do more work. Uh, yeah. your, your wife allowed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, all that work. And on, on top of that, you also do community work for a user group. And uh, I don't know if you still do that, but you help out also with conferences as well. Uh, how, do you, how do you do that? How do you do all of that stuff? How do you combine all of that, including for- your family and uh, a newborn?
0: That's a good question. I get it a lot of times, but it's mainly about prioritizing what's most important um, and making sure that you're not a blocking factor. But sometimes also that means that, um, for example, you mentioned the Azure user group. I'm, I'm still helping, but I'm not helping as actively as I was in the past, mm-hmm. um, which is 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 not always nice, but It's about prioritization and and making sure you also uh, can say no. I still suck at that, but (laughs) I'm starting to get there. Uh, There's just so many interesting things in in our industry. It's going so fast. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, yeah, I just look where I'm needed the most. For example, with CADA, I I do that um, on on a weekly basis, sometimes daily basis, but with with Prometheus and, and Kubernetes VentGrid um, Bridge, those are my own personal projects. They are free to use, um, but I don't give support on them. So if you want to have a fix, either open a bug and, and you wait or, or you contribute it. But in the beginning, and, and it's the typical thing, as soon as there's a bug, you want to fix it. Yeah. That's, not, that's not scalable, certainly if it's a free thing. So, uh I just use a best effort approach um and and if that is too slow, well, sorry, but yeah, it's free. I mean, you can't expect anything, so companies can sponsor me on a monthly basis, and then you get some dedicated hours but but if it's free, then yeah there there can be no expectations in my opinion, so yeah. uh, that allows me to choose when I want to work on it um. Um, yeah, I, I recently did a release on Prometer, for example. And now I said I will not be working on Prometer. I'll be writing now uh, again because it's been a while. And yeah, <laughs> that's how I do it. Uh, just create the time for yourself and choose what you want to do. Right. Because if you otherwise, you'll become a slave of your own of your own projects, and then yeah. You'll get burned out eventually, and, and it's not worth it. Um, another luxury of a downside is that my wife does nights and weekend shifts. So that means that when my son is sleeping, she's out for work, I have time on my hands, and that's basically when I do all of these, these things. So it is really sometimes a job next to a job when you're constantly working, but is it really working if you're having a lot of fun? so yeah it's kind of a hobby a for question. you yeah yeah yeah. it is it is uh-huh. if i'm not working for my day job i'm working on open source basically
1: yeah that's a nice hobby to have and then you say you know prioritization and be, being able to say no scaling down things that uh, aren't important at that time that's the most important thing to yeah. make time for for other stuff
0: yeah and also in the the octoverse of of github last year so they do uh a yearly survey of, of people in open source, and they actually have the, the one for 2021 open uh, now. Uh, and, and there it, they basically said that now with COVID, um, a, lot of, a lot more people are starting to do open source. Uh, I don't know the exact number from the top of my head, but I think it was around 10, 20% maybe. Wow. Um, but that also makes me wonder, and also looking at myself, I now have more time because I'm always at home. Yeah. but how will open source look like when we go back to normal imagine there's no COVID. we can go to festivals restaurants uh, see our friends i think we'll have a the opposite effect we will lose the the new maintainers maybe and also active maintainers might say hey i've been doing all of this but why am i not enjoying my spare time more so i'm really interested to see how, how that will play out mm, um, yeah that's a good
1: how do you think that's going to play out for yourself are you going to do less open source then
0: <clears throat> that's a good question um, i think i will keep on doing uh, open source that i'm doing now but instead i might be doing less of speaking at conferences right um, because that's always been a, a, a tricky one for me. Uh, I love to share. I love to share about what I do uh, and what I've learned. Um, but also, I really hate being on stage and, and talking, <laughs> presenting to people. So I'm always dead nervous. I always ask myself, why are you doing this to yourself? Um, <laughs> so maybe I, I, I just found a, another way of helping people by giving them the tools or, or just go back to writing. Yeah. So I am se- I would probably say no more to speaking so I have more time for other things.
1: Yeah, that's very clever. I did uh, the same thing uh, like you. I also don't really like the preparation for talking. Yeah. Neither the, you know, if it's something in person, sometimes it's fun to travel to a place, but it also yeah. takes a lot of time. It easily takes yes. a week for just one or two talks or something and yeah. then you know when you get off stage just a moment after you're like ah oh, that was so cool i want to do way more of this yeah but then a couple I, of days later you're like why why am Why am i doing this
0: yeah so I, I once spoke at ndc sydney i had one talk wow i i traveled man uh Thirty-two hours or so just (laughs) for that one talk. And because I didn't have much vacation, I just did the conference and went back. So I was there for three or four days and then afterwards I was like, Why did I do this? This is crazy. Yeah. So
1: I will never do that again. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds very luxurious, but you didn't even get to see
0: Australia. (laughs) Yeah, I I went to the zoo on on the the day after I arrived, for example, but I have not seen anything else. (laughs) <laughs> which is a pity, but yeah. It's the typical thing. People think speakers are these kind of rock stars that see a lot of cities, but the only thing you see is the conference and the hotel. <laughs> For yeah. the rest, that's it. Exactly. Yeah, and just uh,
1: experience jet lag. <laughs> that's yes. all. Yes. So um, your open source is, uh, is pretty cool, and you do a lot of stuff that's centered around Azure, or things that, that can run in Azure, really. Yeah. Um, why is that? Why, why are these projects there? Are they uh, filling gaps that uh, features or, or services in Azure aren't fulfilling? Why did you decide to make these things, for instance, Keda and Promitor.
0: Yeah, so you, you nailed it there. So um, I'm not trying to build a business or a product that I can sell. That's also why everything is, is free uh, to use. I'm really trying to close the gaps between the customers that I have and Azure itself. And um, Prometer and Kubernetes Event Grid Bridge are the perfect examples. Um, Prometer started because I had a customer that uh, wanted to migrate from Azure Cloud Services to Kubernetes. That's fairly okay. But when you start exploring the Kubernetes space, and this is five years ago, we wanted to have the same characteristics and the same capabilities. So for example, with Azure cloud services, if you want to auto scale, you could use Azure monitor auto scale, just said, um, when metric a hits this number, start scaling out. If it's the opposite way, start scaling. in. Azure monitor is one of the, the best auto scalers uh, on what it leverages, uh, in my opinion, that's another topic. I won't go there, but when you go to Kubernetes, man, at that point in time, it was such a pain because the only way you could scale was based on the CPU and the memory of your container. Hmm. But if you're processing an Azure service queue, that makes no sense because you want to scale on the number of messages. Um, so Kubernetes then had the capability of bringing metrics from outside the cluster, but you had to use a uh, what's called a metric adapter and that supported GCP and Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said to my customer, hey, we can do it. The only way to do it is basically bring the Azure Monitor metrics in Prometheus, run Prometheus, scale based on Prometheus, etc." So then they decided that's too much work. We will go with manual scaling for now. We'll just monitor it and, and do it, do it, um, uh, manually. Uh, and then I said, Hey, this, this sounds like a fun, uh, challenge. Let, let's just try and see if I can get it to work. I got it to work and then, um, people started using it. And it also was also a good exercise for me to learn more about Kubernetes and all of those things. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. And then Microsoft wanted to do a hackathon with me on it because they had customers, et cetera, et cetera. And now I have an open source project uh, that people are using. So it's actually the typical accidental open source. Uh, And it's the same with Kubernetes Event Grid Bridge. Um, Kubernetes has events in the cluster, um, but we also run workloads outside of Kubernetes. And I wanted to use Event Grid Events. So I wrote something that brings those kubernetes events to azure um and then keda yeah basically keda fixes what that customer needed so i got involved and and started co-maintaining it yeah the accidental open source project to fix a gap uh basically to fix a gap and then you say a gap for your customers and are those then customers for your day job yes so they are my uh, day job customers, um, but I wrote it in my spare time because for them it was not interesting. So I, I couldn't do it on their time. And also then you have the whole legal issues of, hey, you're doing it on our time, then it's licensed to us, etc. cetera. Um, but I saw it f- for multiple customers. So I figured let's just make it available to everybody and see, uh, and also on the other side, you could show the value to Microsoft that this is an effective gap. And they yeah. need to invest in it. Uh, for example, uh, Prometer does, what was the last number? I think 15 million API operations a day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so, and that was in January this year. And I have a lot more uh, downloads now. So I, d- I don't know what the number is. I don't have access to it. But people are using it. That's, that's the bottom line. Oh. And and how much time did it take
1: you to set that up initially?
0: Oh, uh, the initial version or until today? <laughs> let's say initial version. Um, a couple of on-site visits in Switzerland and lonely evenings in the hotel. I don't know how <laughs> how many hours, but yeah, um, let's say a week or two weeks to get the the, the PLC uh. up and running. Before, because you need to figure out how does Prometheus work. How do I? Is there a library for it in .NET, or should I write my own? How do I use the Azure yeah. API? So the typical, the typical things. Uh, yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. What I'm hitting at is, uh, if this would have been a way bigger investment, like months or something, to set it up or get it working in the first place, then uh, if that was. Uh, uh, for me personally then i would have thought well you know that's probably not worth it because this might be a gap that microsoft will invest in eventually anyways
0: oh dear they, they'll fix the gap uh, anyway I, yeah. I i know that uh, but for me like i said it started as a way for me to better understand kubernetes um how to get it up and running and also just to work with the people and, and, and see how the community grows. And that, that's why I keep keep doing it. Um, uh, and, and then the product of course evolved. So I learned about Azure Resource Graph and, and the power of it because I was using Prometer um, because in, it, the people wanted to have resource discovery to scrape the metrics. And I was exploring, okay, I could, Use an API list all the resources and such, but now I know that Azure resource Graph allows me to write a single query and it will give me all the resources that apply, so it's also a way for me to explore uh, Azure itself, yeah, but I'm working with Azure monitor team and and all the services that I use to to bring all the learnings back back there and improve Azure as a whole,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly, as you are an Azure MVP and you are in contact with all those uh, development teams. Yes. So,
0: actually, Kubernetes event, grid bridge. Uh, I first asked them, will you do it? They said, yeah, yeah, eventually. <laughs> uh, and then I said, okay, but no, I really need this. Uh, but I, I get that they have their own priorities. Yeah. So uh, then I actually talked to Brandon Burns. He said, let's, let's set up a, a, a quick sample and see what happens. And then I just continued and... and I'm now making it easier to use. So maybe later on they'll adopt it or, or they'll write a more efficient way of doing it, probably. Right. Um, but it, it works. And, That's also and, why I don't try to start the business around them because I'm closing a gap and eventually that gap will be gone. So
1: Yeah, exactly. Microsoft will get to it uh, at some point. And they yeah. have so much development power and money that they just can throw at it. Yeah, yeah. So have they uh, have Microsoft itself have they reached out to you to say, well, you know what, we, we want to use your code to actually uh, fill that gap. And can you maybe, I don't
0: know, work for us? <laughs> uh they have reached out to me. Um and it's more of the, the customer services department that have a lot of use case for Prometer. So they actually mm-hmm. said, Hey, we need this and this and this. Can we make it happen? I'm like, sure, but if I have the time. And then they actually invited me to Seattle to do a hackathon with, uh, I think we were with 10 people, add a lot of more features, mature it. Uh, and, and even until until today, I have new people um, coming in saying, I have a customer that want to use it. Um, and they're still contributing to the project. So So from that perspective, definitely. Uh, Not from the product group themselves. Uh, However, they brought in in one customer called Walmart that is doing a shitload of calls. Um, um, But for the rest, no. Wow. Uh, (laughs) So Walmart's using it. That's a huge company. (laughs) They evaluated it. I don't know if they are still using it today because they Uh really have large scale and the... The throttling on Azure Monitor is really low. You can do twelve thousand calls in in one hour, which is not a lot. Um yeah. So I think they prototype their own thing by now, but I I don't know. That's open source, you don't know who is using it. No, which is a a big pain. Yeah, but that's also the fun about it, you
1: know. Uh, yeah. It could be that, uh, I don't know, NASA NASA uses it or some other big no. uh, company or something. You no, don't know. No,
0: not not <laughs> NASA, but for example, I had people from TomTom Tom who opened issues and they, we are using it, but we have this issue uh, or other bigger companies. So then it, it is really nice to see that your hard work is being used and appreciated by people uh, who see the same gap and, and found, found your your software that helps them that's why yeah. i do it to help people
1: that's a very uh, very um, good motivation behind it and uh, nowadays people can also help you uh to, by paying you for your time right on github by yep. sponsoring you as being a, a github sponsor so you can go to your profile for instance and choose to sponsor you with an amount one time or per month or something
0: yep, a lot of people correct. doing that Um, yes and no. So I have uh, some sponsors, um, that appreciate my work and involvement, um, but they are typically individuals. Um, and what I'd love to see is, is organizations sponsoring. Uh, and again, I was very reluctant to add sponsoring because it, it sounds like I'm doing this to earn money. This is by far the case because you need to pay for, uh, if you want to create stickers, Azure consumption, and all these other things like DNS names and websites, and so it's mainly to cover that, but also as a company, if you rely on software, it's better to uh, give something back either with contributions or, or money so that you are, you have a bigger chance that it keeps running. And it keeps getting maintained now. My projects are far from critical. But uh, last year in 2020, uh, Identity Server uh, basically moved from a free open source identity product to a paid product. um, and, And the community was on fire. And I was like, guys, this is free stuff. If your company is relying on free open source software for your whole identity stack, (laughs) then you need to revise your company strategy because that's a big risk. Instead, if all those organizations would donate money and that doesn't have to be a lot. Um, but if you would donate, uh, then, then Brock, uh, could keep on maintaining it. It could be still open for those smaller companies or you could get the, the support. Uh, and I fully get why they went to a paid product only. Um, because otherwise it's it's not maintainable for them. Uh, yeah. yeah, so yes, I have some sponsors. I appreciate their support. It really helps me uh, as well, but I'd love to have um, organizations support open source more. And, and Microsoft is a good example there. They have a monthly, um, I forgot what it's called, but they have a, a program where every month they donate a lot of money to a specific open source project um, employees can vote which project it should be, and then they support that project. and And by doing that, they they also give back to the community, um, which is great in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also good for GitHub adoption as well. I suppose yeah, that that's, that as, as well, it. yes. Yeah, but that's I think that's a very good point because you know, as you, if your company is relying on free stuff for your primary services, then you are. Really in trouble. That's just a bad strategy because you have yeah. no idea what's going to happen with that. Could be that the owner just abandons it because you know yes. it takes time, takes precious time out of uh, out of somebody's life, and you cannot just expect that to be supported forever. No,
0: no. And GitHub starts to help that as well. So you can um, you can donate to a project that you know. But as a company, if you are considering to donate, but you don't know what you what you're using what your dependency graph is well github insights now show you okay these are all your dependencies that you have on all your repos Uh, and if you want to sponsor somebody uh you can use one of those for example um you can explore them by framework for example you use a lot of dot net which dot net project can you support uh so that that really helps um Uh, get organizations and individuals there yeah uh, that's very
1: clever github is getting uh, more and more intelligent over time yes so uh, as you are using uh, your open source projects also to add value to the customers of your day job coded Mm -hmm. are they also sponsoring you
0: coded Uh, coded is not sponsoring me (laughs) <laughs> um, they give back to the community in the sense that, um, as an MVP, I get some time during my day job as well. So I mm. can do some work there. Um, uh, but mainly, uh, we do, uh, open source development of, of a framework for Azure. So we have a lot of customers. We see that they re-implement the same thing. So instead of re-implementing it or reinventing the wheel, uh, I think Two or three years ago, we started uh, Arcus, which is the open source framework that we have. So we basically bring all those learnings into Arcus and make it available uh, for our customers, but also for everybody that is interested. Uh, and, and we could make this closed source. We could uh, make this a paid product, but we believe that uh, that it, it makes more sense to um, just give this to everybody uh, so that we can use the same same practices on all the projects as well uh, and we yeah. go from security and web API to messaging to observability or just scaffold templates for if you need to start a new API uh just use the template it comes with a health endpoint telemetry uh request tracking and all of the things out of the box so you can add value faster to the customer
1: yeah okay that's very cool. So as we are nearing the end of this uh, podcast, build, Microsoft build is happening uh, over these uh, past days. What is your uh, favorite Azure announcement so far?
0: (laughs) That's a good question always. Um, I would say Azure, Azure application services for Arc would be the one um i've had the pleasure to to be part of of the preview and and i also shared my uh findings on my blog but basically we have a lot of customers that use azure platform as a service which is the perfect starting point in my opinion but they also have kubernetes um because of some some valid reasons for example it is the company standard we need to be um, multi-cloud or, or run anywhere compatible. Yeah. We need to have higher scale or more control. Um, and on them, uh, they run their applications, fully handcrafted with Helm, et cetera. But that's a bit of a steep learning curve if you're new to Kubernetes. Uh, and also with uh, Azure Functions and, and Logic Apps, you can now self-host them anywhere. But with this new announcement, what you can do is you can basically deploy your web apps, logic apps, functions, API management, and event grid straight from Azure, but it gets deployed on an ARC-enabled Kubernetes cluster. So as a developer, I just create a web app, but it runs on that Kubernetes cluster, which makes it a lot easier to get started uh, with that. And and all of it is is managed by Azure for me, uh, but I have the same capability uh, in terms of operation and management which is a big plus so let's work for me i delegate it to azure which is perfect yeah that's yeah. what i pay for <laughs>
1: exactly i like that as well it was a very cool announcement yes all right well thank you very much for talking to me about the open source today where can people find more about you and follow you
0: uh, you can find me on GitHub and Twitter uh, just by uh, looking for Tom Kerkhove. Uh, everything in one, one word. And you can find me there.
1: All right. I will link to uh, everywhere people can find you, including your blog, in the show notes so that people can uh, click, you, click on you and follow you and also find you on GitHub. Um, if you haven't already and you're listening to this and you might want to sponsor Tom, Tom's work, you can do that on GitHub as well. Take a look there.
0: Or sponsor another project that you use. But of course, every maintainer would thank you. Yeah, definitely. That will be very appreciated.
1: Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week.